What's up? You are now listening to the Next Level Confident Podcast with Janelle and A. If you are ready to challenge your previous ways of thinking and take action on the bold, purpose-driven life you were created for, you'll want to keep listening. On the show, we will vulnerably discuss finding your purpose in life, strengthening your mindset, building quality relationships, and prioritizing your health. I hope you're as excited as I am. Let's do this. So today's podcast is a little different than my usual Next Level Confident podcast because Frankie is actually on this show with me and he is also interviewing our guest together. So I guess to give a little backstory on this, if you follow me on Instagram, you probably already know that Frankie and I started a meetup together here in San Diego called The Limitless Lifestyle. And Within this, we meet every month at a park, you know, COVID-friendly and whatnot, and we, we help people um, build community. I mean, that's really what it's all about. It's all about community. To tell you a little bit more about the mission of Limitless Lifestyle, um, our mission is to build intentional communities that encourage each other to move away from stress and complacency toward peace and purpose. You see, a limitless lifestyle means continually letting go of fear and self-imposed limitations in order to fulfill our unique God-given calling. And so that is the meetup that we started. Okay, we, to give you a little backstory, um, we had started a group called Professionals on Purpose in Denver in February of 2020. And we met up in person at our apartment complex. We had like a beautiful... Um, place within the the complex where we could all meet up. So we did that. And of course, you know, it went awesome. We loved it. And then COVID hit two weeks later. (laughs) So then we did a few virtual professionals on purpose. um, And, you know, at that point, everyone was so zoomed out that we ended up just stopping for a little bit. Then in May of 2020, Frankie got a new job, which brought us back to San Diego. So for those of you who know our story, I lived in San Diego for three years. Frankie lived in Colorado. We met through mutual friends actually on Instagram. And um, and so when we first were dating and, and all this, we were trying to figure out, okay, are we going to move to San Diego or are we going to move to Denver? Because we did long distance, our whole relationship. Um, and we ended up moving to Denver. And we were there for nine months total. So fast forward, we moved to San Diego during middle of COVID, May 2020. And um, we got here and, you know, we still wanted to do this meetup. We still wanted to be helping people together. We, we've always had this vision of, of helping people together. And um, the timing just kept kind of falling through. So it wasn't until, I believe it was October, yeah, October 2020, we met in a park uh, here in San Diego, and um, and that's when we started Limitless Lifestyle. We re- we rebranded, we renamed it Limitless Lifestyle instead of Professionals on Purpose, because we felt that Limitless Lifestyle made more sense for the brand that we are building, like for the long term. I don't know. I just don't really resonate with the word professional since I'm an entrepreneur. That's just like my, my thing. So I was like, I don't know. Professional feels weird for me. I don't feel like I'm a professional on purpose. I feel like I'm an entrepreneur on purpose. But anyhow, 
to so to to get to the end of the story, Frankie and I around the new year we're thinking, let's start a podcast together. We're going to call it the Limitless Lifestyle Podcast, and we're going to get different people on here to talk about how they have moved away from stress and complacency toward peace and purpose. And so we had Dylan on as our very first guest. And gosh, you guys, this podcast is gold. So I'm super excited for you to listen to it. Um, and after we had this interview, we ended up being like, to be honest, I don't think we have the capacity to take another thing on right now with this podcast. Because I mean, putting on a podcast, it's, it's, a, it's a fair amount of production that goes into it, as maybe you can imagine. And um, so after recording this, we, we made that decision. And so just giving you guys all the details. But long story short, you know, this interview is so incredible. And I wanted to be able to share this interview with the world. And um, so we decided to use it for the Next Level Confident podcast. And hey, you know, maybe one day Frankie and I will have a podcast together via our Limitless Lifestyle brand. Um, we're, not, we're not sure exactly. We're, we're currently recording some videos together. We're, we're doing stuff. Uh, but we're trying not to go from zero to 100 because you know how that goes. It's kind of like yo-yo dieting. It, it's like, ah, you get stressed out and we're trying to, we're trying to move away from stress. Um, so all that goes to say, we are so excited to share this episode with you and this different format where you're going to hear Frankie and I both being the host and interviewing this awesome guest. Okay, so... Today, I'd like to give a warm, warm welcome to Dylan Ali. Dylan is a keynote speaker, transformational coach, and a sales executive. With 20 plus years in corporate IT sales, Dylan has been able to create a framework that is repeatable and scalable to all areas of life, resulting in more love and less fear. We operate from two sources at all times, love or fear. Dylan has been able to guide people in transforming that fear into love, in turn, acting from that space. We all have baggage. We all have emotional trauma. Many of us are taught to suppress those feelings in order to find success. That success comes at a heavy price. Dylan teaches you how to negotiate that price for a life worth living. Recently, Dylan has put his sales hat back on in leading a BDR organization in this new virtual world. How do you create culture, hold people accountable, hit massive numbers with discipline wrapped in grace? You call Dylan. Dylan is a charismatic sales leader that leads with his people in mind. Come on. Whatever direction he gives to his team is meant to fill one of two buckets. How do I maximize my comp and how do I advance my career? Dylan leads from the heart with a unique blend of charisma, discipline, and grace. You guys can connect with Dylan on LinkedIn. It's connected below. Uh, you spell his name D-Y-L-A-N space A-L-I. Dylan Ali, let's do this. We are going to hop into the show now. Dylan Ali, welcome to the show. Frankie, thank you so much for having me. And Janelle, it's a pleasure to meet you. So looking forward to our conversation. Sweet. Well, we're, we are looking forward to it as well. So let's just jump right into the first question. You said nothing's going to surprise you. So we're just going to, we're going to start there. Let's so go. Dylan, what is 
the number one piece of advice that you would tell your past self and why? Zip, zilt, zero, nothing. Interesting. Because all roads lead to right here. And I'm in a place where I'm very happy with life. Um, I recognize that the happier I am, the more that life gives me to be happy about. So even in those times when I didn't get what I wanted, what I actually got was lessons learned that turned into experience. That experience turned into work and knowledge, which then turned into wisdom. And here I am with the gray beard to prove all the wisdom that I have. So I would not change a thing, my man. Um, as painful as some of those times and situations were, I look back and I recognize that every single time there was always another side to it. And getting to that other side outweighed any of the pain and suffering that I was going through in that current moment. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's really good. I love that. So going off of that, uh, let's just go ahead and, and hear a little bit about your story. Tell us where you used to be and then how you got to where you are today. Yep, absolutely. So much like the other 7.8 billion of us that are running around, I built this avatar character, if you will, of life. Um, my character that I played in life was solely built on my insecurities, right? And I often tell the story about being a short, fat, poor, brown little boy. And then that turned into, you know, something really ugly, right? So um, genetics took care of the short and fat, working out didn't help or didn't hurt either, right? So couldn't do anything, couldn't do any much better there. I think I turned out pretty well there, right? The brown piece, I was just, that was the card I was dealt, so I couldn't change that, right? And I worked my ass off so I wouldn't be poor anymore. And again, back to the genetics where I wasn't short and fat anymore, right? So along the way in, in that journey to what I considered success, and for success, the avatar for me was Michael Douglas, Wall Street, right? Power suit, power tie. Yeah. That's what I aspired to be. And so even when I look at my life today, um, you know, I'm 47 today. I look back at the 25-year-old version of me, and I thought, I remember, you know, at the time going on a trip with my girlfriend to visit her dad in a small town in Kansas. Um, and I remember going, wow, I just love this place, little cobblestone, like sidewalks downtown, great backdrop. And at the time, I was really, really, really in tune with that power thing, right? I just wanted to be a powerful, strong man that made a shit ton of money and everyone feared and respected me. <laughs> simply because I feared and lacked respect for myself and everyone else. But I remember going, man, I just love to, you know, have that job where I'm making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year and I'm living in a small town like this. And back then, you know, 20 something years ago, telecommuting wasn't a thing. And so, you know, I fast forward and I look at today and I live in a cool little town of 7,000 people. We've got little, you know, cobblestone sidewalks downtown. It's a lake community it's very nice and it's everything that I envision, right? So um, building that character, that avatar based on not feeling worthy, not feeling loved, not feeling accepted, not feeling enough in order to get to this thing, this pie in the sky. Once I got here, I realized that, wow, these two, these two things have nothing to do with one another, right? Because here I was, even though at the point, you know, when I would say that, you know, we moved into this house, what, five years ago, from 47. So at 42, you know, I was making somewhere around 300 grand a year. Um, I'm 6'1", and at that time, I was like 230 at 14% body fat. 
right? I had the dream girl, I had the kid, I had the, you know, white picket fence and all everything that we're supposed to have. And I still just wasn't happy. Yeah. And in route to looking for more things to find more happiness, I found me. And what I realized in that journey was self-development is nothing or has nothing to do with what you can add, has everything to do with what you can take away. So if I'm a fitness coach and, you know, I want to get Frankie in shape, which is a horrible example because dude's already in shape, right? <laughs> but if I want to get Frankie in that. shape, you know, I can add more poundage to the bar, right? And he may get stronger. He may look bigger. But when, if he's just really focused on aesthetics, it's more about losing the body fat, right? Yeah. It's more about taking what you already have underneath and just exposing it. So therefore, success to me is already there. It wasn't, it had nothing to do with finding more success. It was learning how to put that success on display. And so what I looked like back then on paper was great. He's in, had the house, had the wife, had the kid, all the good stuff that you're supposed to have. But on the inside, even, you know, even a, being a big man physically on the outside, I was still that 10 year old, short, fat, poor, brown little boy on the inside. Mm -hmm. And there's so many of us that are walking around in the power suit, power tie in positions of authority. And here's the thing, that little boy, once that little boy has the $100,000 car and the half a million dollar home and, you know, the quarter million dollar paycheck, that doesn't fix anything. All it does, it just gives more external crutches. So now I actually have a 10 year old son. When he gets upset, he screams, he yells. Sometimes he even gets a little physical. Well, you take that 10-year-old boy, you know, he's a, he's, he's a big kid, right? He's 5'1", 150 pounds, which I think is probably twice the size of the average 10-year-old. But then you take that. <laughs> that is a big boy. <laughs> right? You take that kid. And Frankie, what are you? Probably 6'2", 6'3"? I'm 6'2". 6'2". How much do you weigh? I just weighed myself. I'm 224. You are a specimen, my man. You are beautiful and you are strong. But I bet if you got angry, you could do a lot of physical damage. Maybe. Janelle's the, the, the boxer in the family, oh, not me. <laughs> right? So what I mean to say by that is that we grow into these physical specimens. We, men and women, we develop these avatars and we develop these characters based on our insecurities because the reality even right. myself at a big man at 6'1 230 14 body fat i was still that timid unloved not worthy not enough little boy and i built that avatar to protect that child mm. right we're taught to be afraid of the monsters under the bed but what if the monsters are really there to protect you and you can make peace with those shadows you can make peace and heal those traumas and come out of the other side emotionally stable Versus just emotionally distraught. And yeah. unfortunately, many of us are walking around. And for me, I walked around many, many years in that avatar, emotionally distraught. And it was really just destroy everything in sight. And whether that was a quota or a relationship or my body through drugs and alcohol or any other abuse, right? It was how do I satisfy that need to feel alive and to mm. feel wanted? Yeah. Were you to ask something? Well, so I guess I'm just curious what happened then, like a few years ago, you know, you've painted the picture of like, you had everything, but you weren't happy on the inside. So how did you shift? What changed? For me, it was a gradual shift. 
And by gradual, I probably mean light switch, right? We all think it's a gradual shift, but it really isn't. The me that you are experiencing right now in this moment is the me that always has been. The characters and the mask that we play, if you look at the, even just the word persona, right? Persona is derived from the root mask. And we have these personas, we wear these masks, whether it's, you know, at the gym, right? I can be one, one person at the gym, different person at the bar, different person with my family and different person at work. And what I found was that the common thread in all of this was I wanted to be better. I wanted to have a better body. I want to have better health, better wealth, better relationships. And just like everything else in life, um, you know, it's the more you, the more you persist, the more it will resist. Right. And yeah. so as I was pushing and going through brick walls, as we've been taught to, especially men and especially that masculine energy and add that Western masculine energy to it, I was simply taught to go through brick walls, right? I don't look like everyone else. Great. I'm going to show up and work harder, work longer, work stronger, work smarter. I'm going to outweigh everyone else, right? I don't have the skill set. I'm going to go learn. I, I don't have enough hours in a day. I'll go make more hours. So we're always taught for more, more, more. And what I found is that I kept hitting a wall. I kept hitting this proverbial wall that I wasn't getting better and I was just getting more frustrated. And for me, it was one day in the kitchen, not long after we moved into this house, my wife and I were arguing in the kitchen and I looked over at my son, big brown eyes, just filling up, fighting, fighting back the tears. And in that moment, I just knew if I didn't stop and shut up right then, that in 40 years, he was going to be exactly where I was. So I just got tired. Yeah. You know, if you guys are pet owners, they say, uh, you know, a tired dog is a happy dog, right? Yeah. Um, even with kids, that stands true as well. A tired kid's a happy kid. Actually, a tired kid is happy parents because then they crash. Right. <laughs> right. And then, so for me, I literally just wore myself out. Yeah until I just got so exhausted, just look with my son, when he gets so exhausted, he'll just pass out, right? He'll be watching TV and all of a sudden he's just slumped over. And for me, it was just getting to that point where I was just slumped over and I didn't know where else to go. I looked everywhere externally. And at the time I was really hell bent on finding a coach and finding a mastermind and finding a mentor because it's what the industry tells us to do, right? Right. I'd had very good mentors in the past. And so I knew what good looked like. And so I took to the social highways, if you will, right? Mm -hmm. And I started looking for a coach and started looking for masterminds and started looking for mentors. And what I found was a lot of bullshit. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of bad coaches that have great marketing. Yep. Yep. And so, <laughs> right. And so, as I started to dig into some of these, I started just thinking, I know this stuff. Yeah. No one's teaching me anything different. And here's the reality of it. In this conversation, I'm not going to teach you anything different. You're not going to teach me anything different, right? It's just all repurposed content. We've all just learned, right? And we've taken knowledge and we've, we've ingrained it into our day-to-day -day, and that knowledge has become wisdom, so just having the hindsight to recognize that no one was really giving me anything different and it was all just very gimmicky, I just started to trust myself. And as I started to trust myself with bits and pieces that I had picked up um, along the way, I actually found my first coach. 
And I remember working with him for about three months and flying out to Arizona for a weekend with him. And he's been my coach for probably four and a half years. Nice. Right. And so even having a coach, um, most of the time a coach is not going to give you anything that you don't already know. Key thing with the coach is they hold you accountable. Right. right. And so we've talked about some of my disciplines, some of my daily habits, and that's where a lot of people fail in even having a daily routine and having discipline or daily habits is just by not having discipline to do it. We can be committed all we want, but it, but it's by having the discipline is what we turn that commitment into something viable. And so for me, right. it was finding that point and recognizing that I can search everywhere and anywhere but no one is coming to save me. Yep. No one's coming to save you. I mean, even, even in, from a very young age, we're taught to clasp our hands and pray. Right. And even that is bass backwards, right? Because we're taught to pray or talk to a higher self when things are going bad. I say, what if you speak to your higher self or speak to something greater than the physical that is you, but do it when things are good. Yeah. So I kind of stumbled upon some golden rules that I never reached out in books or in content or others that I just inherently knew. And then along the way, as I started being guided to different books and podcasts and different people, those things just validated what I already knew. Yeah. So that's why I say it wasn't a it wasn't a light switch. It was long drawn out. You know, what took me four or five years to arrive at, probably some people can arrive that in three weeks but maybe I'm just a little yeah. slow. Yeah. And, and one thing I like that you said about the prayer is like, it's so easy. Like we're both praying people and it's so easy to pray when you are in a bad situation, but then completely forget about God when, when things are going good. Right. And so there is a quote that's something like, don't pray in the rain if you won't pray in the sun or something like that. And it's like finding that no matter what you're going through, whether it's awesome or whether it's not great, doing those same patterns, whether you believe in praying or not, but like whatever your thing is continuing to do it, no matter if it's raining or sunny. And that's the discipline piece, right? That's the absolute discipline piece. It's so easy to forget about it when things are going great. And then when you kind of lose everything, you know, may, maybe that is just by design, right? Yeah. Maybe that is a way to bring us back to um, that oneness, that higher self, if right. you will. Um, you know, God, Gaia, he, she, it, whatever, however you want to um, acknowledge. But I think that sometimes in life we're being tested. And I strongly believe that we cannot have a testimony without being tested. So for the mass yeah. majorities of people, I think that is the, that is the MO. But one of the secrets in life is flip it on its, on its head, right? Give yeah. gratitude when you have things to give gratitude about. And guess what? The world will give you more to have gratitude towards. 100%. Yeah. yeah, it's like you're a magnet attracting those things versus like always like what you were talking about earlier, searching on the outside. It, instead, you're going on the inside and attracting more gratitude, more ex, you know, amazing experiences, relationships, those different things that you said. So I'm thinking about the people listening right now. And if somebody is thinking this is a great story. What are some, maybe three tips that you would give to somebody that you found that you're able to move away from stress and anxiety towards more peace and joy throughout your life 
I know you kind of went through a lot there, but if you could like boil it down to three tips, that'd be really helpful. Absolutely. For me, it's simple. It's le- it's releasing the judgment, comparison, and expectations in life, right? So we'll start backwards. Expectations. One of my mantras is I have no expectation of any results. So I wake up every day and I move into the day with intentions, but I don't have expectations of how anything should unfold. Right. That's now, good. If I don't have a, if I don't have an expectation of how you respond to me, there's less of a chance of me being offended. There's less of a chance of me being in pain and there's way less chance of me feeding that pain, turn it into suffering. So now if I have no expectation of any result, I'm not disappointed when I don't get the thing that I would want, but I'm not surprised when I do get the thing that I want. Hmm. Right. That's good. So expectation or release of expectation is number one comparison. Releasing comparison, big. If I don't compare myself to you or you or him or her, anyone else, then I don't get into judgment. And these kind of go hand in hand, right? So if I know that I show up and I do the very best that I can every single day and recognize that sometimes my 100% is my 80% of yesterday, that's okay. Because the only person you're competing with is the person that you're looking at in the mirror. And if I can release comparison, then I'm happy and judgment. This is probably the biggest one. It's releasing judgment of self, situation, and others. Now, if I had to pare that down to simply one, it would be judgment of self. Because if I can release judgment of self, and I am worthy, I am enough, I am loved, then I don't judge others, and I don't judge situations. If I surrender to that, and all three of those really boil down to surrender. If I surrender to that, and I allow the flow of life to take me, I'm 100% going to be filled with more surprises than I am going to be with disappointments. So good. Yeah, my 2021 word is detachment because I am definitely the person who likes to control outcomes. I like to, you know, I want things to be a certain way and letting go of that is one of the biggest things that I, that I want to pursue in 2021, because yeah, unfortunately it's, it's my natural. I think, I think a lot of people it is, but I really love how you just broke it down because, um, I know it's what we all want. I guess my curiosity is like, can you give an example or a story of, of how you might've done that before in your life and then how you've switched your, your brain wavelengths on that? Or like, how did you do that? like anything else it's habitual and and i think you have to seek you have to search we talked about you know frankie talked about like being a magnet earlier right um before when i was searching but i wasn't whole right um i kept attracting the things that i really was not the things that i was putting on display so instead of getting more money more cars better relationships right better body what I was really getting was more of the yucky stuff because I didn't feel loved. I didn't feel worthy. I didn't feel like I was enough. And so, you know, if I look at um, the, just the simple art of detachment, um, I grew up fetching wrenches for my dad. So from a very young age, even younger than my son, who's 10, you know, I was working on hot rods with my dad. Right. I call them hot rods. Back then they were just old cars. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um But what I realized is that I grew up, I've always had an old school hot rod, always. And I sold my last car about a year ago 
and they're your typical hot rods, right? Loud, hot, smells like gas. You know, it's rumbling and shaking everywhere. There's rattles everywhere, but I love it. My wife hates it. Um, <laughs> my son wasn't too crazy about it, right? He always wanted yeah. to take the newer car when we went somewhere. And nothing more than a, the, the simplest thing, a Sunday afternoon drive was always my biggest thing. Yeah. But what I recognized was that was just reminding me of the relationship with my dad. And now I'm trying to recreate a relationship with my son based on my past experiences with my dad. So mm. my son, while he loves going to the car shows and eating burgers and fries and hanging out with a bunch of old dudes with sleeveless shirts and mullets, talking about their hot rods, it just wasn't <laughs> his thing, yeah. right? And so here I was just simply recreating my own experiences and not growing. And my wife planted a seed in my head, hey, you, you never drive the old, so why don't you sell it? And I started playing with the idea of I wanted a new vet. But then again, the stories came up, right? Not worthy, not enough. Like, why am I gonna spend all this money and you know, the car is going to sit in the garage you know, 99% of the time. But because I had expectations of reliving the story, because I placed judgment and because I was comparing myself to my son, I was caught up in this thing that I wasn't really even all about anymore, right? But letting go of the car. So I literally went through the exercise of selling the car. That was such an important exercise for me because yeah. it never had anything to do with the car at all. It had everything to do with the trauma not even the trauma the emotional attachment because that's when i felt closest to my dad and my dad's still alive right so it's not like he's he's passed on and i'm holding on to this but when i let go of that and i let go of the judgment the comparison the expectation you know what it did it made room in the garage for a new corvette and now instead of you know tuesday nights at hardy's right at the old hot rod show we're hanging out at cars and coffee on Saturday mornings with all the Ferraris, Lamborghinis, other Corvettes, Porsches, and other cool cars. Now, for me, I'm a car guy, I enjoy it, but what I didn't realize by that, sh that small shift, now I've created new stories for my son. Yeah. Now he has his own experiences. Now he can grow, create his own lineage if you want, instead yeah. of reliving mine over and over again, because it's what we do. We relive the same cycles over and over of our parents again and again and again. So by letting go and detaching, it served me on many, many, many platforms. But the number one was it freed up the space to allow my son to have new experiences. That's awesome. I love that. It's so many good things come to mind from that story where it's where you're saying you're holding on to this amazing memory and you didn't want to let it go. And your grip was so tight on that. And what you what you didn't realize at the time, but what I also commend you for at the same time is you have amazing self-awareness. Like I love listening to your stories because you're so self-aware. And I think that's a huge quality to be successful or whatever you want to call that nowadays. But going back to the story, you let go of the car so that you could create new memories with your son. And now your son probably feels closer to you than he ever did going to those shows. And, and it's just a beautiful example of like, what are the things in your life that you need to let go of that you think are good so that you can get great? I know, Janelle, you talk a lot about this. Um, so that's such a cool example. And then just thinking about the fact that you let it go and now your son can, can go and create these new memories with you. Like, I love it. So 
I had another thing to say, but I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I think it's so important. And, and it's like we said, right? Growth is about not what you can add. It's about what you let go of. Right. What you can mm-hmm. shed, right? Because we are all born into this world of love and light. We learn fear. The first fear that we learn is as a baby, the fear of falling. Then we're taught, don't touch the hot pot, you'll get burned, right? Don't, don't, pet, the, don't pet the dog too aggressively, you'll get bitten. But we're, we're, we're born knowing love. And if we can just get back to the core of that and we act out of love, life just gives us more to love. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's a matter of letting go of the things that keep us in the bondage of fear, right? Right. And not being worthy, not being loved, not feeling like you're enough are all the things that keep us attached to that. So when you can let go of those things, it leaves so much room for you to paint this beautiful canvas that is life. Yeah, that's good. So good. Fifty-six percent of college students are women, and forty-eight percent of employees in the workplace are women, which is awesome. Ladies, this is proof that we are smart and working hard. But you know what's not so awesome? Only 29% of VPs and just 22% of C-suite executives are women. In male-dominated industries such as STEM, these numbers are even more startling. As these numbers state, women aren't lacking the knowledge, education, or ability to be leaders in the workplace. What many women are lacking is the competence to take on risk. Most of us have heard this one before. Men will apply for jobs they are 60% qualified for, yet women will only apply for jobs they are 100% qualified for. This type of stat also applies to women at their job, not willing to take on that new, unknown project. What she's lacking is the belief that her skills and abilities are not only quote-unquote okay, but are powerful and needed in the workplace. The Confidence Workshop is created to help women dig deep into their mindset and get to the root of this problem. If this conversation gets you as fired up as it gets me, we are now taking applications for this workshop for the ladies of STEM corporations. Please head to our website at nextlevelconfident.com to learn more about the Confidence Workshop. Okay, sweet. So one of my questions is what are some of the unhealthy habits that you have turned to in the past, or even maybe you currently struggle with on occasions when you're feeling stress, when you're, yeah, when you're feeling stressed and then like you haven't been proactive in your routines or you haven't been proactive in in making peace a priority. What are some of those unhealthy habits? Food. Food, food, food. I eat when I'm happy. I eat when I'm sad. I eat just to eat. I'm right there with you. Yes. And so, um, you know, and, and here's the thing. I, I often joke and say that uh, some traumas are not meant to be healed, right? So you can tap into them. And that's just my crutch, right? Because um, I recognize that there's, there's an emotional tie that comforts me when I eat. Now, if I go back and I really dig, I can tell you the answer. The answer is I grew up in, a, in an ethnic home. My parents are from Trinidad. So small knit community and food is always the centerpiece. So growing up, food was always around. As a matter of fact, my mom's love language is, and I don't know, maybe this is love language number six, right? <laughs> my, yeah. my, my, my mom's love language is feeding people. 
Dude, that's my mom's too. Right? <laughs> yes. Like they yes. get sad if, if if you don't eat it. They're like, what? Yeah. Do you not? Yeah, if you me? don't eat it, like, why don't you love me, Frankie? <laughs> Whenever I go visit, my mom has like all these cookies. Like yeah. all my, I'm Italian, so like all this pasta. And like, if I don't eat every single thing, she's like, you're literally slapping me in the face. <laughs> oh God! Right? Yes. <laughs> So we learned, like, it was part of my language for a while, too, right? Think about it. You and Janelle first met, and your first time, you probably, first couple of times you went out, you probably went out to eat. Yep. We had a big old burrito on our first date. (laughs) Right? Food, universal language of love. Now, I don't want to cast any spells, so I'm not going to use you guys' example, but let's just say there's another couple that have trying times, and you know what? Maybe things are not going so great. Well, what does Frankie do? He puts on his gray sweats, he puts on Netflix, and he goes and orders 50 wings, and Janelle does the same thing, and she orders a pizza and a bottle of wine. So we're taught that. Like, we are literally taught that food is the centerpiece of it. And so for me, that's one that's stuck. So I know that when I get off base, and maybe, you know, I didn't, maybe this week I didn't get deep enough into meditation, and I didn't really get into my, my intentions, and maybe I just kind of let go of some things. What I always find is that food is always the thing. So even when I'm not aware of where I am, I have some fail proofs to check, right? So I can always yeah. go to the refrigerator and I can always tell if there's a lot of snacks in the refrigerator that I need to check in with myself. That's right? good. So food is a definitely bad habit for me that reveals a lot. That's really interesting. Just Cause you wouldn't think anything of it unless you were self-aware enough to go and be like, Hey, I've got a lot of snacks in my cabinet. What's going on in my life. And I can think about that for, for us. Or if you're listening, what habits are you not paying attention to that show up that actually are saying something else? So dude, I, your self-awareness is like blowing my mind right now. I love it. (laughs) Love it. Love it. Okay. So say you're, you're, you're in an emotional trigger you've opened up the fridge. There's all these great snacks in there. You've opened the cupboard. You're reaching for one. When do you like, do you have the awareness where you're like grabbing it and you're eating it and you're like, Oh, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I'm doing it. Or are you able to stop yourself? Or what do you do when you're literally in that emotional triggered state? All of the above. So I've (laughs) done it all right. I've literally gone to it, opened it and been like, Nope, I've gone to it and you know, had that tummy ache afterwards. And why did I do that? Right. That may lead me to the thing. And, and here's what I say. I don't judge any of it because whether it is the first bite or the last bite, the important thing is that I get to the piece of the story that's most important. That's going to allow me to shift. And so if I had to summarize it, I think it really just comes down to breathing. Nine out of 10 times, if I'm in this triggered state and I'm reaching for the food, Think back to a time when you might have been in a similar state. Frankie, you're your mom's and you're just terrified to not show her that you love her. So you're yeah. <laughs> eating. And what are you doing? You're eating as fast as you can. Yep. And think about it. Most of the time when you're in that state, you're going so fast that you don't have time to stop and think. So just having the discipline to go back to the habit of breath by slowing down. And for me, the magic number is six, right? Six, 10 second breaths. So one minute, six breaths five seconds in, five seconds out. That removes the noise and it allows you to be present. And now when I'm present, I can be like, what the heck, Dylan? You got three Uncrustables in your hand and like, <laughs> whatever this drink is, right? Uncrustables, love it. Yes. 
So I, I think this. it's really just coming back to breath. And the only way you get to that is by practice because everything that we're talking about right now is habitual in nature. Mm-hmm. So if I don't practice the breath, if I don't do the cold showers or the ice plunge in the morning that allows me to take control of my breath, then I'll never be in that position where I am. You know, we've talked about my ice baths. Great example. When I step outside and I get into the water that's in the 30s, the first thing that I want to do or anyone wants to do is you just want to be like, <gasps> take that big gasp for air. Now, when you can step into that and slowly submerge and just simply Well, at that point, it's beyond a mental thing, right? It's a physiological and a physiological thing, right? So now I'm literally activating the vagus nerve, which releases the chemicals that calm my body. And now I'm in this calm state. Now that I have breath, I still feel the cold on my body. And for many people that do a lot of practice around breath work and meditation, they tried to detach from the body and detach from the mind, and even detach from the present. To me, that is simply discipline. But when you can be with the present, that is control. So if I can feel the cold water and recognize that, yes, my skin is stinging right now because it's so cold, but I can still control breath, then if I'm reaching in and I've missed my keys because I'm already triggered and I'm reaching in for that uncrustable and habit kicks in, Then I stop and I breathe and I have the presence and the awareness to go. I don't really need that. Yeah. Mm, It's good. It's really good. Yeah. It just, it sounds like in my life and everybody's life, so much of it is just reacting to things, but you're choosing to go on the offense versus the defense and thinking about how this crustable will affect you or the water is going to affect you if you don't be intentional with it. So that's really good. So another, another question is, uh, do you ever, or have you ever had stress show up in the body that you didn't even realize was related to stress? Yes. Um, the body is simply a manifestation of emotions. Mm. And if you've done any kind of work around, how your body manifests stress or emotions, this will make a lot of sense. If not, it's probably just going to sound like a lot, lot of like hippy-dippy, like voodoo stuff. <laughs> and so I think it was about two years ago. Um, we, I think we just hired two new people in the territory. So my team was six people, six all in. And frankly, it was a channel role. So I was responsible for all the channel partners in my region. I remember starting the the strategy and we literally created this strategy where everyone on the account team would be at a partner's site um, every single week. So my guarantee to my partner was 12 touches per quarter. Um, And we're gonna use that in regards to the if then what, right? So if I do this, then this is what I expect. And we were just going, going, going. And at, at this time I was running a territory that was North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota and Wisconsin. So I just talked about the Wisconsin team. I also had a Minnesota team and I had a very small North and South Dakota team. So all in probably about 10, 11 people that I was doing this with constantly. And it's not normally my style to run like that, but I was doing it for the greater good of the team and getting things set up. And then a few weeks later, 
I realized this big bump on my eyelid that just was nasty, like the hunchback of Northern Dame, right? <laughs> and I kept trying to figure out what it was. And I couldn't, I couldn't get back to anything. Like my workouts were on point. I was getting plenty of rest. I was eating right. And what I realized is that I was seeing things that I just wasn't happy with. And what I was seeing was the new workflow that I'd created to get the team ramped up. Even though it was going to be short-lived for me, it showed up on this because every day I woke up and I witnessed a thing that I wasn't, I wasn't aligned with at the core. And so it literally manifested into my eye. And about three weeks later, after I readjusted, guess what? Miraculous. It went wow. Away. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. That's, that's super interesting. And the fact that it was like in your eye is, is funny. The fact that you're going out and you're seeing these things that you don't align with. Yeah. And so that just even goes back to earlier conversation on success, right? Um, you know, we talked about how it is I went from where I was years ago to today. But again, I was just, I was looking for success so hard that I really just couldn't see what was in front of me. And so many times our bodies will tell us. So if I'm looking all over to what's going on with this and looking at all the external factors, I'm looking in the wrong places. But once I looked internal, I recognize, oh, well, let me first pay attention to where the ailment is in my body, right? And eyes, it was easy. So I just started thinking, okay, what am I seeing? What am I witnessing? What am I experiencing that I don't like that just doesn't align with me? And it didn't take me long to figure that out from there. Mm, so good. That's awesome. Very interesting. Yeah, I know like so often our physical bodies show us stress. And I'm one of those people who I'm like, I don't believe in stress. Like I, I don't experience stress. I'm just a efficient human being, you know? And then there's been so many times where something has happened and I'm like, you know, the doctor like, are you stressed? And I'm like, no. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I do. I am kind of like running on fumes a little bit. And so, you know, for people listening right now, if there's something going on, whether that be, you know, your, your health, or maybe that's your body, maybe it's your skin, maybe it's, yeah, like a growth happening somewhere. It's like, check in what's, what's going on and don't, don't ignore that because it's easy to ignore, I think in our go, go, go society. Well, and even in this, especially in our society where we're, we hinge so much on success, right? And at the very best, we are taught to compartmentalize. And so I often state it like this, when you say, no, I'm not stressed. Number one, for you, it's 10 times as hard as it is for Frankie or myself, because as a woman, you don't want to show weakness. And if you're stressed, oh, my God, you're weak and you can't handle this. I knew we should have never put her in this job. She should never <laughs> be in this position like she's a woman, for heaven's sake. We have that stuff in society to deal with. Right. So we're taught again to build these avatars to hide these insecurities. And so in this Western culture in, in particular, where. Not only is it hard for a woman, but in the, you know, for a man, it's all competition, right? Because if I don't do a great job, Frankie's waiting to take my job. So there's a comparison piece. Yeah. So now we're taught to compartmentalize the stress and put it away. That's called discipline. So that is simply Frankie taking the little boy inside and putting him in timeout in the corner. I say, what happens if you take that little boy or little girl by the hand walked into the corner, explain why we're taking a moment, sit there with them 
and then let them out of the corner. Very, very different. One is discipline. The other is addressing the emotions. But we're taught, what? Don't show your emotions. Don't wear your emotions on your sleeve. Don't wear your heart on your sleeve, right? Um, get your head in the game, right? Boys don't cry. Yeah. I got a, I got a ton of them. We can keep going all day, <laughs> right? But all of that is really compartmentalized and out of fear. Because now if I cry, now if I show emotion, now if I do anything but the thing of compartmentalize it, then I'm going to show weakness. And right. if I show weakness, then I lose. And again, we're taught to be number one. And I say, it's okay to be number one. But instead of being selfish, be self first. Meaning if I take care of me and I fill my cup, then I can pour into your cups. Then I can pour into my team cups, my team's cup or my wife and my son. And now when my cup is overflowing with love and acceptance and gratitude, then I can pour into others. And now we can all experience the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the implication of not taking time for yourself and just going to work every single day, whether you're an entrepreneur and sales and corporate, whatever it is, it's just, it's like, it's like never changing your, your brake pads is the example that came up to me. So it's like, we hear these trucks outside our door that are these big trucks and they're slamming on the brakes and this huge screeching noise, but you got to take time to replace them and give yourself that, that cushion, that margin so that you can come to work prepared and fully aligned to what you want to be doing. Yes. Amen to that. So we've got, are we moving to the final chapter here? We're moving to the final part. Okay, Dylan. So what is your 14 day challenge for us? Well, that's an easy one. I'll make it a, an either or cold showers or cold plunging. If you have access to it. Right? For, for people who don't know what a cold plunge is, you're going there. Yeah. So a cold <laughs> plunge is a body of water. For me, it's a hundred gallon tub that sits on the back patio. You fill that up with, you know, anywhere from I'd say 35 to 55 degree water. 55 is probably the norm, right? 50, 55 is probably the norm. And so if you have access to that or access, you know, here in Wisconsin, we have a lot of natural springs. So during the summer, I can go out and find a spring that's 55 degrees, which is awesome. So whether you have lakes, rivers, ocean, whatever, just a big body of water where you can cold plunge or cold soak. So plunging is in and out. Soaking is sitting in the water for X amount of time. Or the simplest form is just a cold shower. Yeah. Now, we can, we can even do these in stages. So if you're new to any of this, um, you can start with the extremities. So turn your cold water on. Put your right arm in, put your right arm out, left arm in, left arm out. And then as you work your way around your body, then you can move to your head, your heart, or your spine. And those are going to be the areas that are going to be the hardest. So you can simply get into that. And here's what I would say. The challenge is this. Set your timer for three minutes. For the next 14 days, three-minute cold showers. What's going to happen is you're going to turn the shower on. It's going to hit you. You're going to lose your breath. That's okay. Don't get out. Stand there and just control the breath by inhaling through the nose, exhaling through the nose. And what you'll start to find is that your breath will come back to you. Now, how is that practical? Well, if you remember back in March when COVID hit, 
it seems like the entire country just went. <gasps> yep. And what happens when you get an unexpected bill or what happens when your boss says to do this thing yesterday? What happens when you get in an accident or what happens when you two get in an argument, right? The first thing that we want to do is <gasps> grasp for air. But now, because you've taken the discipline for 14 days to stand in the cold water and control your breath, you now have a tool that will serve you for the rest of your life. So now when stress comes or things happen or situations arise, you can simply stop, slow down, breathe, come back to a clear head and act from there. So I often talk about transmuting fear into love and then acting from that space. This is a way that you do it. By controlling the breath, Breath is a root in the word spirit. So when you connect to breath, you connect to spirit. When you're, when you're moving from spirit, you're moving from your highest self. You're moving from love. Transmutation of fear into love. Then you act. That is how you have a positive world, a positive life, and a positive reality. I'm on. Okay, cool. So you're saying that if someone were to do this challenge with us for 14 days, three minutes a day, a cold shower, that it would help with their breath work and it would help them in stressful situations in other parts of their life. Is that correct? Yes. The number one takeaway that this is going to give you, it's going to help you reduce stress because you're going to learn to breathe. I often say that probably the most healthy people around us are smokers. <laughs> <laughs> Think about it. Most of us are walking around in fight or flight every single day. We breathe somewhere between, I want to say, 20 to 30 breaths, right, per minute. I just said slow it down to six. So we can cut your breathing by a third. We'll cut your anxiety by a third. Mm. Now, if you do that for 14 days and you really, depending on, you know, whether you subscribe to 21, 66, or 90 days to create a habit, you get to decide, but at least you're on the right track. After 14 days, essentially, you will start developing those habits. And now, instead of the cold water being the thing that triggers you, it might be, again, the bills, the accidents, the relationship. Yeah. But now when you're triggered, you now have a tool. Yeah. Mm. Now, the other benefits of it is better skin, right? Better sleep, um, better, better um, nervous system, right? more resilience to viruses, things like that. We won't talk about all those, but the number one thing is just going to be less stress in your life. And I think we can all do with a whole heck of a lot less stress in life. I'd take some less stress in my life all day. <laughs> but think about it. All the cold water is, is the avenue to breathe. The smokers, right? The smokers, the reason I say they, they're the most healthy is what do they do? They stand outside and they... Yeah, they breathe. Or the cool smokers, they take a nice long drag, right? Yeah. Now, get rid of the nicotine and the carcinogens, and it might be a little bit better scenario, but <laughs> they're taking the time to breathe. So really, yeah. the cold is just the thing that allows you to breathe. And the breath is just the thing that allows you to connect with spirit. And connecting with spirit is just the thing that gets us all back to that glitter ball. I say that we're all just one giant glitter ball. And each one of us is this just glittery tentacle. And somewhere mm. along the lines, that gets pinched. So we now see darkness. We now see shadows. And as we work through and let go, that pinch opens back up. And we now once again see the glitter ball that we're all attached to. 
So we're all just one big giant streaming ball of happiness. Yes. <laughs> yes. Come on. Yes. Love it. Well, thank you so much for being a part of this conversation. I mean, I, I learned a ton just from your story of dropping the, the comparison, dropping expectations, dropping judgment, um, so many things. So Janelle is going to close us out with, with our last question here. Okay. So our last and final question for you is what is your definition of living a limitless lifestyle? My definition of living a limitless lifestyle, it is moving through life without expectation. The minute I have an expectation is the minute I add a limit. Now, we can get all fancy and we can call it, you know, an open sky, a glass ceiling, whatever it is. But if I have expectations, I have limits. So because I can let go of expectations, I now have a limitless life. Now, I can create some boundaries to help guide me but those boundaries are not expectations, right? So I'm not disappointed. Do I get disappointed? Absolutely. I'm human. Do I fail? Absolutely. More than I win. It's the reason I win is because I fail so much because those failures are simply lessened. So when I have no expectations of any, any results, I simply just wake up and go, what do I want in life today? And to me, excuse me, having the control of being able to set the intention of what do I want out of life today is truly successful. That's good. That's good. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. It's beautiful. Thank you for being on our show today, Dylan. We really Thank appreciate you. Guys. you. Thank you. Yes. You rock. Love it. I appreciate You're awesome. it. Thank you so much for having me on. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk yes. to you soon. All right. Take care.